Welcome to the Underground Podcast, a weekly teaching from the 20 service at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. Stay tuned for ways to connect with our ministry following the message. We've been talking about decision making over the last few weeks, and I I think it's been really helpful. We've been looking at, we looked at six different principles that you can use in the decision making process. And the reason this is important is because we know that sometimes we make big decisions in life. In fact, all of us will at some point in our life. We're going to make multiple big life altering, potentially life altering decisions. And so what we've done is try to help you navigate how you might approach that particular decision, what you might do, people you might ask, how you might seek the Lord. And so we've shared these principles. If you missed any of them, you can catch them online and go back and watch those. But tonight what I want to do is I want to look at the very real fact, and that is that sometimes, even when we try to do everything right, we will still make a wrong decision. And what do we do when we find ourselves in that place where we've made a bad decision. That's what I want to look at. So we're going to do two quick things. First, I'm going, to, I'm going to shoot out a couple practical points for you to just jot down if you'd like. And these are things for you to hang on to or to wrestle with now if you're in the middle of the result of a bad decision. And then what I'm going to do is I want to take us through quickly a story of a Bible character that uh, made a bad decision. What's good about the Bible, there are plenty of stories to choose from. If you haven't noticed, the Bible is full of a bunch of jacked up people just like you and I. Even some of the greatest men and women that that moved the Christian history forward, if you will, many of them were men and women that at least started off making really bad decisions. So first, let's talk about the practical. Here's five steps, five things, five little principles you can think about When you make a bad decision, here's number one. These are very simple, but I want to lay them out for you. Number one, take full responsibility. The first step in in realizing or the first step in processing a bad decision is taking ownership of the decision that you've made. What a lot of people try to do is pass off blame, pretend it wasn't their fault. They try to ignore it. They try to just move past it. And the reality is we want to recognize that we've, look, we've made a bad decision. It's life. We're imperfect. It's okay. But first thing we have to do is take responsibility for it. Now, some of you may go, well, that's so basic. You didn't even need to say it. Well, here's what's funny. Most people in the world today a bad decision will affect them a lot longer than someone else simply because they didn't take the time to take responsibility to deal with it and to begin the steps moving forward. So you may think it's not a big deal, but when we find ourselves in these situations, it's fascinating how we tend to follow suit. So first thing we wanna do is we wanna take full responsibility. Here's number two. Don't do the sunk cost fallacy dance. Have you ever heard this before? This is a business term right now. Some of you are about to go to school. Let me just help you out right here. Okay, now this principle is really simple, okay? This is where you don't want to end something that you've already put time, money, or effort into. This is the business term of how we'd identify that. So what does it look like? Well, it might be uh, some of the cute phrases would be, well, I made this bed, now I've got to sleep in it, I've got to lie in it. Or we've been together for five whole years, I don't want to waste those five whole years, so we'll add five more and then we'll still break up, Bozo. Anyways, um, that's the point, though. The picture is, listen, some of us do this dance 
where we're stretching things out, we're, we're extending things because we simply just don't want to deal with it. Or we've spent too much money on this particular item or project, I'm afraid to pull it back because of what I've invested, but not realizing that if we would just make that change now, we could help ourselves for the future. And yes, of course, relationships often fall into this category. And so be careful there. You don't get caught doing this dance trying to stretch something that you deep down inside know is not going to work out. In fact, it's interesting. The Bible doesn't ever tell us to do this. The Bible doesn't tell us to do this. The Bible tells us to look at where we're at, to figure out what's wrong as we seek the Lord's guidance, and then to move in the direction he would have us to go, not to extend something out to see if we might be able to make it work. So be cautious here. Here's number three. Understand your choice, or I might change that to say understand your decision. You made that decision for some reason. What was the reasoning you made that decision? See, sometimes we get so caught up in the results of our decision, we don't take a minute to think about why we made that decision in the first place. And if we don't figure out why we made that decision, guess what? We often find ourselves in the same position again. And so this is the moment when you're not trying to go back and make excuses, but rather you're trying to look at what were the factors that drove me in to come to this conclusion that this was the right decision? How can I learn from it so I don't make that same mistake again? By the way, we also call that wisdom. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge is knowing a bunch of things. Wisdom is taking that knowledge and putting it into action. So we can know what's a bad decision, but if we don't learn what led us there and we avoid those in the future, the truth is we've not really made much progress. Here's number four, and this is if you make a decision that affects someone, which all of us have done. We gotta apologize and explain. Apologize and explain. We don't explain to get to an apology. We apologize first, and then we try to help them understand. And oftentimes what we're helping them understand is that we simply just were wrong. Many times, decisions we make don't only affect us, but they affect the people around us. This is why, if you haven't noticed, I'm so hard on you guys when it comes to relationships. It's not because I enjoy it. Wow, there is a small part of me that does enjoy it. But the truth is, here's the real reason why. Are you ready for this? Because I care about you enough to make sure, at least to make sure I've done my very best to help you make a wise decision so that I don't have you in my single parent ministry a few years later because you got a divorce. Or I'm having to counsel your kids because you didn't work it out in the first place. You didn't make those wise decisions. You were all hot and heavy and thought everything was perfect and you made a bad decision and now we've got to deal with the repercussions. And so the truth is, we've got to learn from those things. But for those of us that have made a bad decision, the best thing we can do is to go back to those that we heard and apologize. I wonder if maybe there's some of us here tonight that might need to do that. That maybe there's somebody we've wronged, maybe even in this room. And we thought we'd just blow it off. Hey, no big deal. We'll move on. They'll be fine. They'll get over it. And I've thought that way at times before, too, if I could be honest with you. But I'm telling you, the healing that comes when we go back and we simply own up, not make excuses, but own up and say, you know what? I messed up. I made a terrible decision. and I'm sorry that it hurt you. This is why I did it, and it was wrong. But I'm going to tell you what. We're going to fix this if you'll allow me. And I want to continue this relationship, whatever that might be, friendship, family, anything. And I want to move forward. We apologize and we explain. Here's the last piece. I'm moving quickly because I want to get to the scripture. We focus on the present. We focus on the present. A lot of times what we do when we make a bad decision, what do we do? We dwell on it, right? 
We think about it. We just keep going back. We play it out in our mind, right? Now, there's a moment when we go back, we learn from it so we don't make the same mistake. But eventually, guess what? We got to start focusing on the now and even into the future. We've got to move on. And so we want to be careful that when we make a bad decision, we don't sit there and think, oh, my goodness, I am stuck. There is no way I'm going to get out of this. Because here's the truth. No, man, listen carefully. No matter what, no matter what, there is not a decision that the Lord can't work his beautiful, supernatural, sovereign control on. There's not one. That's the power of God. So given that, let's look at the story here. You might remember a good old guy. I don't, if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to fall on the screen because I'm going to bounce around as I walk you through this story. You might remember an old guy named Peter. Anybody remember Peter? Yeah? In church, you just go, sure, of course, don't call on me. Peter, Peter was a good old boy. He was a disciple of Jesus. He was passionate, charismatic. He was an otter. Uh, he, he loved life, and he was serious about everything. He was always on a mission to do something. And there's this moment in history that we read about. Let me read it to you. It comes from Mark chapter 16. I told you we'll bounce around, but I want to just read this to you. I want to show you something very, very special. Here's the moment. Jesus has already died. He's been buried in the tomb. And there are some people that are going to come to the tomb to see, to visit, and to see what has happened Let's pick up the story, verse five, Mark 16. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen, he is not here, amen. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now this is a fascinating moment. These women have run to the tomb. They are ready to see this commotion. They want to know, is Jesus still there? Because throughout this way, Jesus has been telling them, listen, I'm going to come, I'm going to die, but don't you worry, I'm going to be okay. There's a plan here. You don't know it yet. You don't fully understand it, but there's a plan. And they get to the tomb, and what do they see? Jesus is gone. This is amazing. Then they see an angel. That's who they're speaking to. And he says, I want you to go back. I want you to tell the disciples. But then notice what he says. I want you to go tell the disciples and Peter. Did you catch that? All the disciples, all of these people, all, I want you to go back and tell them. But then he gets one person, gets the name drop, Peter. Now, why is this fascinating? Because if you remember what happened with Peter, he had a strong charismatic moment not too long ago where Jesus and his disciples are together. And Jesus said, in fact, this very night, this very night, I'm going to leave you. And in fact, this very night, some of you are going to fall away from me. And Peter stands up and says, no way. There's no way. Absolutely not. I would never leave your side, Jesus. I am with you till the end. I'm paraphrasing. We got you. And all the disciples said, we got you. No way. No way. And Jesus said, actually, you will. In fact, in fact, before you hear the rooster crow, you will have denied me not once, not twice, but three times. You remember this story? 
So what happened? Well, let's see. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you were saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth, pointing to Peter. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know this man. I swear I don't know him, second time. And after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you two are, the, are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear. He cussed. Did you know they cussed in the Bible? What? Doesn't excuse you. Calm down. All right. Some of you are like, I told you. Done. Don't do that. He says, and and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately what happened? The rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and what? And he wept bitterly. I don't know if you needed a translation, but did you understand what happened? Peter made a bad decision. What happened to Peter? What was he feeling? He went out and he wept, he wept bitterly. He was brokenhearted by the decision that he had made. And yet, what happened? These women went to the tomb. They were looking to see Jesus' body. Jesus' body was gone. There was an angel, and the angel said, I want you to go back and tell the disciples, and I want you to tell Peter. I want Peter to have a special message, and that is that I want to see him too. And then what happens? Well, we jump ahead. I told you, don't try to follow along. It's all over. John 21. Jesus is back with his disciples post-resurrection. So when they had eaten breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Peter, Simon, son of Jodah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, I love you. Know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lamb or feed my sheep. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time. Do you notice how many times? A third time. Simon, son of Jonas, Simon Peter, it's the same guy, Peter. Do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. What happened? Jesus forgave Peter. Jesus restored Peter. And Jesus was going to empower Peter to be the rock on which God would build his very church. Why in the world would be bothered to spit that out at you while talking about decision-making? Because the truth is, all of us need to know and hear and understand that in life, we are going to make some bad decisions. Some of your bad decisions are going to affect your family, your future, the people around you that you love most, the ones closest to you. And what I need you to hear, what I believe the Lord wants you to hear tonight is that there is not a decision you can make, not a decision that he can't come in and find a way to work his sovereign power and to use it for his glory. Now, does it excuse us to make dumb decisions willfully? No. 
We want to learn. That's why we'd spend time on a series like this, to learn how to make decisions, to be wise, to see principles, to seek wisdom so that we can do the right thing, so that we don't have detours along the way as we're trying to follow the Lord and we keep getting sidetracked. We want to stay focused on him. We want to keep moving forward. But at the end of the day, knowing that we are imperfect, we're going to make some bad decisions. But God says, I'm here for you. Can I ask you a question? What's more powerful? What's more powerful? God stopping you before you make a bad decision or God coming behind your bad decision and finding a way to use it for his glory? What's more powerful? See, we get, we get mad all the time. Why is there evil in the world? Why, why do all these things happen? And yet what we're not realizing is that the true power, the true amazingness of God and his grace and his sovereignty and his power is not that he would stop someone from doing what they want. In fact, listen, he loves you so much, this is why he gives us free will. He doesn't make you love him. He gives you the choice to decide, do I want to love Jesus? Do I want to follow Jesus? And if not, you can go do whatever you want. And I would say to you lovingly, carefully, I'd say, good luck and be careful. Because you may be happy for a little while, but you and I are wired to be with Christ. We are wired to be united to God. And when we drift from that, we eventually, if not immediately, find ourselves in trouble. Just look at the celebrities all around the world. It seems like the same old story. They shoot up quickly. They become famous. They're following this life. Things are going good. Ah, you hear about a few parties, a few drugs, a few things. Oh, but they'll be okay. They'll be okay. And the next thing you know, there's some form of an overdose or there's jail time or a mental hospital. And they're at rock bottom. And you go, how could that happen to them? They had everything. They did not have everything. They had the world's definition of everything, but every single person that walks the planet, you, me, and everyone else out there, everyone you see on TV and everyone you listen to in your car are wired to be connected to God. And when you are not, you will find trouble. But a loving God says, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. If you are walking with the Lord, you can be confident in making that decision, even if you're not 100% sure if it's the right one. You do the very best you can and you step out boldly and say, I am making this decision and I am believing that it is the Lord I'm following, it is his voice that's guiding me. And you make the decision and even if it's wrong, our God will find a way to use it for his glory. Is that not freeing? Does that not take some pressure off of the decisions that you may have to make as you figure out what I'm gonna do with my life, who I'm gonna marry, where I'm gonna go, am I gonna move, am I gonna stay, am I gonna have kids, I'm gonna have one kid or seven kids, uh, whatever I'm gonna do, making these decisions all of the sudden, the pressure begins to release. But here's what's interesting, this is what we've been saying all along. If you'll just walk with the Lord, you won't have to worry about making the wrong decision because as you walk with him, he will lead you into the place he would have you to be. Absolutely amazing. I'm hoping for something in my life. This is not a theological statement. Please don't say this is what the Bible says. I'm just, I'm hoping for something. I'm hoping that when I die, when my time on earth my responsibilities have been fulfilled. God decides that I'm done. 
I hope that when I stand before him, of course, I hope that I will hear, well done, that good and faithful servant. But I also, I'm hoping that he might give me a glimpse behind the veil at how he took some of the stupid things that I did, some of the stupid decisions I made, some of the great decisions I made, and show me almost a map of how, hey, you remember that point? Remember where you thought that was your lowest? That was actually one of the best turns you made because it led us here. And you remember this? And you remember this? Now, I can't promise that's going to happen. I don't know. But I'm hoping for that day because what I think is the only person that truly knows every detail and how it all works together is him. And maybe, just maybe, one day when we stand before the Father, he might peel back the veil and let us see. But you know what the good news is? We don't need to worry about it. Because the promise is that God loves us, he's walking with us through the good times and the bad and in every decision that we have to make, even when we make the wrong ones. So own up to it. If you hurt someone, apologize, explain, heal that relationship, and then start to look ahead and start to get ready to make do with where you're at and trust the Lord will get you through.